Thank you for those who are joining. My name is Ambika and I'm joined by my co-host Manisha. You're listening to the 17th episode of Fintech Pulse. And before and today, again, we have the godfather of Fintech, Renaud Laponge. I hope I said your name right. Is it Renaud Laponge? Yes. Okay. <laughs> We're good. Okay. Thank you. Um, so yeah, before we kick off, just a few housekeeping items. The session of the format, uh, what we'll do is 30 minutes of Q&A moderated Q&A with myself and Manisha, and we'll ask questions from Renaud, and then we'll open it up to the audience. At that point, the audience members can come up and ask questions. In terms of how to ask questions, there are two methods. One is you can raise your hand, so there's an icon in the bottom right. You can raise that, and then we'll bring you up on stage, or you can send us a message on the back channel. So there is an airplane icon on the bottom right. If you click that, you'll be able to message me or Manisha, and we can also ask questions on your behalf. Uh, another uh, housekeeping item is that we are recording today's call, so if you object, please drop now. And lastly, a disclaimer, Manisha and I, we have our full-time jobs. We work within the financial services, and our employers are not associated with this show. We are also not endorsing any products. Our intention with this call is simply to cultivate thought leadership within fintech. So with that, let's kick it off uh, with introductions. I'll go first. My name is Ambika. I'm a product manager. I work within FinTech, primarily SoFi, and then also with uh, financial, within financial services, I work for one of the banks here in the United States. So over to you, Manisha. Thank you, Ambika, and welcome, everyone. Excited to have you all join us for this fantastic conversation with Renault. Um, I work in uh, the financial services space and product management. And as you know, uh, we've been doing this series uh, for about 16 weeks now. And today's uh, the 17th week. Very excited for all of you to join us. Appreciate your support and engagement. With that, and without much further ado, Renaud, want to uh, turn it over to you. Uh, if we could just start with a brief introduction and this big news today, huge announcement from Upgrade. Congratulations. Tell us about your news. Yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm Renaud Laplanche, uh, founder and CEO at Upgrade. Um, I've been in fintech uh, for um, longer than I, I care to admit. Uh, it was probably uh, about 2000. Uh, of, <laughs> um, let's say it's been, it's been about 15 years. Um, um, I was the, the founder and CEO of Lending Club, so obviously one of the sort of pioneers in uh, in, uh, in consumer fintech. Um, and then five years ago, um, a bunch of us from Lending Club uh, co-founded Upgrade. Um, yeah, so the news today uh, was uh, we raised a new round of financing um, led by uh, KDT, Cog Disruptive Technologies. Um, that uh, values the company at about $3.3 billion. Uh, there's a $100 million round, um, which is going to help us sort of continue to, uh, to innovate and, and bring um, better, better fintech product to, to market and, and um, try to be um, more helpful to more people. That's fantastic. I'm sure we're going to get a little deeper into the news. Um, but Ambika, over to you. Yeah, thank you. So um, just as an introduction, I was, you know, I've known about you for a long time. You're famous within the fintech industry, but for audiences awareness, just a brief background. You're from the south of France. You're an accomplished sailor. Uh, you're a former corporate attorney. You founded not one, but three startups, two of which were fintech unicorns, Lending Club and Upgrade. So your list of accomplishment is aspiring for like multiple lifetimes. 
I was wondering, could you talk to us about your career journey and how you've successfully been able to cultivate a focused mindset? In other words, what's the secret? <laughs> um, well, I think it's, it's about, um, I mean, doing what you're passionate about, right? It's, um, it's, it's probably impossible to, uh, uh, to get good at anything that you don't really care about. Um, and, um, I mean, for me, it's been since, since I started Landing Club again, 15 years ago, um, it was really about sort of bringing just better, uh, more transparency, more value, um, better experience to a, an industry, uh, financial services and, and banking, um, that really hasn't done a great job at, at delighting their customers and, um, and, and, and bringing uh, sort of a lot of value uh, to them. So I mean, the way I, I founded sort of Landing Club 15 years ago, the reason I, I went in, into this was um, really when one day I was going through the mail and opened my credit card statement and I realized that if I was going to carry over the balance um, on my credit card to the next month, I'd be paying 18% interest rate. Um, and then the, the next piece of mail I opened was my savings account statement where I was earning sort of less than 1% on my uh, high yield savings account. Um, just like the spread between that sort of 1% that the bank gives you um, and the 18% it's taking from you uh, felt like a really big spread um, that wasn't entirely justified by uh, sort of how much work <laughs> they have to do um, from, from one side to the other. Um, so, so the, I think very basic idea of Landing Club and, and every other fintech um, product um, we launched since um, was really about trying to, uh, to be more efficient, uh, find ways to uh, lower costs, um, sort of make processes simpler, make technology and automation work uh, in favor of, of the consumer. And, and really sort of get more money back into the consumer's pocket. Um, I think when, when you work in, in credit and financial services, I mean, these are really um, impactful uh, sort of topics to you can work on, right? It's, it's um, um, I mean, we're dealing with people's money. It's, it's a really big part of people's lives and one where you, we can have a meaningful impact. Um, so sometimes getting access to affordable credit can be the difference between sort of being able to send your kids to college or not, or being able to uh, sort of pay your, your credit card bill at, at the end of the month and even, or not, and, and defaulting and, and getting into serious trouble. Um, so I think we, by, by being sort of passionate about, about these topics and, and really sort of believing that we can move the needle for, for millions of, of people, um, I mean, that, that's the kind of things that really sort of gets me up uh, in the morning and, uh, and helps focus and uh, helps spend sort of as much time doing it as, um, as I'm doing. Nice. So I guess you seem to know your purpose and you want to execute in a very focused manner. Got it. Um, I want to hit about your, I want to talk about your early days at Upgrade. You started Upgrade with four, four other co-founders. And you started by offering credit cards and personal loans, which is a very competitive space. There are a lot of players. So could you talk to us about your thought process behind going after this space and how you've discovered the product market fit in your early days? 
Yeah, so we we had a really uh, strong belief um, around uh, sort of credit and, and, and credit card in, in particular. So I, I think at Lending Cloud, the thing we did well was really sort of um, um, bringing back the personal loan product that was a really popular product um, sort of in the 60s and 70s with like household finance. Um, and and is a very sort of responsible product where you you borrow um, whatever you need, then you pay it back every month. And it's a fixed rate, fixed monthly payment. It's easy to budget for. It's predictable, um, and it's fundamentally a good good consumer product. And then sort of sometime along the way, uh, credit cards came around, um, and uh, I think credit cards are, are frankly pretty bad consumer products. Right? They I mean, they're um, usually pretty high rates. The average rate on credit cards is about 17%. There are a lot of fees that, that drive the, the total cost of credit cards well in, in the 20s and, and probably 20%. And they, probably the, the worst feature about credit cards is um, it, it encourages consumers to remain in debt as long as possible, right? It's, um, I mean, you, you can make a monthly minimum payment and if that's the only payment you make, it's going to take you 25 years to pay off the balance and, and you'll end up paying three times um, what you initially charged on, on the card just with the cost of interest. Um, so, so I think we, we had pretty, pretty strong views around um, sort of building a better credit card. Um, and so we, we started with personal loans um, as a way to really mostly refinance an existing credit card balance. So that solves part of the issue. If people have got into credit card debt and they're finding it hard to get out, you can refinance that credit card balance with a personal loan at a lower rate. And that brings you the discipline of paying it down every, every month. Um, but it wasn't enough. Um, and, and so we, we put together the, the upgrade card um, which is really the, the only credit card that I mean, <laughs> we call it internally the only credit card that's good for you, <laughs> which is really the, the only credit card that gives you credit access to credit on demand, right? like any other card. Um, it's, it's flexible, it's convenient, you can use it at any store online or in physical stores. Um, it comes with a line of credit, but at the end of each month, the balance on the card turns into an installment plan. Um, that again, you pay down at a fixed rate with fixed monthly payment. So it really come with, comes with a forced discipline of paying down your balance every month, uh, which we think is the right right thing to do for consumers. It's not the most profitable product. I mean, credit card companies make a lot of money out of the, the balance uh, staying high as long as possible. Um, but but by sort of forcing the amortization and, and really sort of helping consumers uh, be, be more disciplined and paying down their balance every month. Um, we, we, we think we are helping customers sort of get to a better place, improve their situation and really sort of upgrade their, their credit situation and upgrade their finances uh, and really um, sort of uh, get get to a better get, get to a better place with better products. Got it. Thank you. Could you also touch a little bit about your customers? Like who are your customers? What are the customer personas and what pain points are you targeting? 
Yeah, so um, we're targeting a, a very sort of mainstream uh, audience. So I think that probably also sets us apart from other sort of neo banks. I mean, we're we're now sort of offering mobile banking, and so we're really sort of putting together uh, different pieces of like rebuilding a a, a bank. Um, and I think a lot of neo banks and, and fintech in general um, choose to focus on sort of underbanked type of, of populations where, I mean, for, for good reasons, right? They are not being served well by the banks. So why, why not sort of designing, why not design a product that would be helpful to them? Um, but I think we, we chose a different uh, path, which is really sort of offering products that um, are appealing to a broader swath of the population, including a lot of very mainstream consumers um, that are fully served by banks today. Our customers often have an account at Wells Fargo or CD or, or BRA, um, but we believe we can give them sort of more value and a better experience than they're getting from, from their bank. So our average customer is 40-year-old, um, has an individual income of $100,000, a credit score of 700. So these are like pretty population average metrics. Of a, the income is higher than average um, because of our underwriting. But uh, other than that, they're, they're sort of generally pretty sort of average consumers. Um, who again, we, we, we feel that we can um, sort of, um, not necessarily fill a void left by the banks, but, but rather um, sort of bring more, more value to them and, and put more money in, in their pocket. Great, thank you. Over to you, Monisha. She has a lot of questions about strategy for you. <laughs> Very excited to hear about products. So in terms of product evolution, you've been through various stages and various companies that have evolved uh, the product strategy. Could you uh, kind of give us a sense for um, how that process works uh, of uh, ideating on new products, finding that fit? Um, and then, you know, like, Along those lines, where are the next steps for upgrade in terms of that product evolution, especially in light of uh, the funding news today? Yeah, so um, in terms of, uh, sort of product design, I mean, really, we, we have a few sort of guiding principles um, around sort of um, really, the, I mean, what's the sort of customer segments we're, uh, we're focusing on? Um, what the unmet need and and what makes us believe we're going to meet that, that um, we're going to meet that, that need better um, like really what, what puts us in a position to better serve that, that market um, and what, what we like to do is, is really create a suite of products that work well together so we are, we're not necessarily making uh, sort of product decisions of, um, in isolation uh, but more thinking about the overall sort of customer journey um, and how we can sort of improve it. So if you if you look at upgrade, we started with personal loans. We now have a credit card, we have credit card, and, and mobile banking. And these three products, loans, credit card, and and, and bank account, really work well together um, in terms of delivering more value to consumers. Um, because you, you can like start seeing these like bundles where sort of if you're banking with us, um, you 
probably deserve a sort of lower rate on your loan uh, because we we get sort of more data from the bank account, transactional data from the account in terms of underwriting and servicing. And also we know that when consumers have both their credit account and their deposits at the same institution, they tend to perform better on, on their loans. Um, so that uh, sort of uh, bundle between sort of deposits and, and, and loans um, really sort of puts us in a position where we can sort of further lower the rate on, on the loans. Uh, same thing with the credit card, we can probably give you a higher limit on the credit card for also banking with us. So, so I think we're really trying to think of, okay, how do the different products like add to each other um, and, uh, and, and create more, more value for consumers? That's very interesting, the concept of unbundling the way the old system works and rebundling in a way that makes sense. How do you create that differentiation, Renault, then, in terms of competition and um, some of the other digital challenger banks that are also uh, in play? Yeah, so I think that the way we think of competition isn't so much within fintech. Um, it's more okay. It's more compared to the incumbents, right? It's uh, because that's where most of the balances are. It's where most of the customers still are, uh, particularly in credit. I think in payment, uh, fintech has already made a good dent into the uh, um, the, the the payment volume of of, uh, sort of handled by banks in credit. Um, so credit fintech is still very small compared to the, the amount of credit that comes from, from banks. Um, so that, that's how we think of competition is that are we creating a better product than uh, what our customers are currently getting from their traditional bank or credit card company. Um, and so personal loans are products that really the banks have mostly stayed away from since it's been uh, sort of replaced with credit cards. And again, there's there's more profits to be made by, by banks and credit cards than in loans. And that's why they, they're focusing more on, on cards. Um, and, and then, so when we started creating a credit card, um, again, the question was, how is it a better credit card for consumers? And, and the answer was, okay, we, let's create a product that isn't designed to put People further into debt, <laughs> like, like most credit cards are, uh, but, but rather the opposite. Uh, Creates a, ironically, a credit product that's designed to help people uh, sort of pay it back or pay it off. So the BNPL concept, even before it became a buzzword, <laughs> I, I think you guys kind of drove that wave much uh, sooner. Uh, could you uh, dive a little deeper into how you view that space? Because there is a space for the BNPL aspect of it, but there's also the credit card reward side of it. Um, how do you uh, operate or how does Upgrade set itself up for something that's become almost a requirement to have in the financial services space? Yeah, I think that that's, I think that's right. Um, yeah, in many ways, sort of upgrade card works like a BNPL product, right? It's turning sort of every purchase into an installment plan. Um, I think there are differences in how you use it. And BNPL tends to be like smaller purchases, shorter uh, payment period uh, could be like paying for over a couple of months. Um, while the, the upgrade card is probably something you're going to use for larger purchases where you want to spread the payments over a 
a longer uh, time period so that the interest rate really matters more um, but but the I think the undercurrent is the same which is uh, in consumers um, coming to realize that again credit cards are bad for you and, and credit cards lead you to um, essentially accumulate debt and, and if you don't have a lot of self-discipline um, really to, it leads you to a ballooning sort of revolving debt but, but you, it's becoming harder and harder to, to take care of um, so I think whether it's BNPL or grid card uh, it's, it's the same undercurrent of trying to be responsible and getting into products that aren't creating that slippery slope towards uh, revolving debt um, I think I mean since we uh, we upgrade. I'm going to tell you what, what I like better about our card than, than other other BNPL products. You know what I what I like better is that you know, often BNPL products are tied to specific merchants and specific merchant partnerships, uh, so they are not available everywhere. Um, the upgrade card is sort of a universal BNPL product in the sense that it's it's available everywhere. Visa is accepted, which is sort of millions of merchants. That's great, putting it back in the hands of the customer. Um, and then related, uh, Renault, and a bit of a geeky question, I'm sure, how how does this get reported from a credit bureau standpoint? I see that uh, Upgrade is also focused on the credit uh, and financial health aspect of things. And the concept of uh, the loan installments potentially creates a better customer behavior around risk. Curious to hear just uh, two cents on how that works from a credit reporting standpoint. Yeah, so I mean, I think generally the um, upgrade card isn't a open-ended product, right? It's um, I mean, you you get a line of credit and um, you can sort of replenish that uh, line as you as you make payments. Sort of more um, more of the authorized limit becomes available. Um, but since it's creating a series of installment loans, it is actually sort of closed end, uh, closed end product. Um, so it's reported as such. Uh, so it's essentially reported as, a, as an installment loan, which, which uh, also has some benefits in terms of, um, of credit score. Got it. So it's not a revolving line, more a closed end. Credit? That's right. Yep. Okay, perfect. And then, um, you know, again, along the product uh, discussion, with the funds you have, you have uh, a few products out there already. What are your plans in terms of expanding uh, the product set? Is uh, Notice Crypto Rewards was mentioned. Uh, are you in going on the investing side? Uh, anything that you can share with us on your growth plans um, specifically? Yeah, so we, we feel like... Um... There's, um, on, on one hand, uh, there are like so many other like, product categories we'd like to be in, right? We, now that we have mobile banking, and there's a lot we can do there with like, savings accounts and, and investments. Uh, and then on the credit side, I mean, we'd love to do more in auto loans and mortgages and kilos and, and so on. Um, so we have a lot of like thoughts about how we could disrupt other, other product categories. Um, but at the same time, the three, Three product we already have um, have sort of a lot of depth uh, to it, and so there's there's a lot more we can do um, with just loans, credit cards, and and, uh, 
and, and mobile banking. Um, so I think for, for the, the next few months, we'll continue to stay focused on these three products and making them better and, and continuing to innovate uh, with new version of, of upgrade card that cater to slightly different segments of the population or, or make, um, make the card more valuable for, for, for different, uh, different segments of, of our user base. So for example, we, we started with a, of 1.5% cashback rewards program on um, the upgrade card. Um, and then we realized a lot of our customers were spending more in certain categories. So we launched a triple reward uh, that gives you 3% on sort of home, health, and auto categories, and then 1% on, on everything else. So our customers can optimize um, to what card they, they choose based on their sort of, um, their, the type of spend uh, we do. Um, as uh, as you pointed out, we, we launched uh, recently a, a Bitcoin reward uh, card, um, which is a lot of fun to, to work on. And, and I think also addresses um, uh, a big need in the market in terms of, sort of mainstream consumers who aren't like early adopters and haven't really um, sort of taken the first steps to um, to own crypto assets and are also getting sort of left out uh, a little bit um, and, and aren't necessarily comfortable sort of buying uh, Bitcoin, um, but, but would enjoy sort of owning it if it came sort of for free, so to speak, as a, as a rewards program. Um, so, um, so we think there's, there's a great market opportunity uh, there and, and Good, really good opportunity to educate a lot of consumers about um, about crypto assets in general um, at, at no risk uh, to to them. Um, so um, so we're, we're happy about that. We're working on new rewards program, a new version of the card. Uh, we're continuing to develop uh, sort of products at the sort of convergence of payments and credit that wouldn't necessarily be um, a credit card. Um, and, and that we're, we're hoping to, to launch uh, sort of to one next year. Um, so there's um, yeah, there's a lot uh, we're we're doing, and, and again, all, all that is sort of informed by sort of our desire to um, um, again make credit more available, more, more affordable, more responsible, and um, and find like, new ways to put more money into our customers' pockets. Thank you. So continuously uh, looking to seek value. Uh, we only have three minutes left in the moderate session, then we're going to open up to the audience. So the last question I would like to ask is, I would like to get your perspective on leadership. You are a third time founder of a startup company. So I'm curious to know your previous experiences, how have they helped you hone your leadership style and what advice would you give to young entrepreneurs? Yeah, so, I mean, I think where, where I learned the most is, um, around sort of um, doing less to an extent. Um, so I think a lot of us entrepreneurs are like very passionate about what we do and we, we tend to like want to be sort of involved in everything and every, every decision and, and sort of have our hands into every part of the company, um, which sort of works well when you're 10 or 20 people and, and starts breaking when you're 200 and clearly doesn't work when you're over a thousand employees. Um, and um, so I, I think for me, a key part of leadership is really about sort of hiring um, 
people who are smarter than I am and, and know a lot more than I do. Um, and, and, and really sort of, um, sort of designing information flow so that people are empowered with information and, and really empowered to make good decisions. Um, so that um, so good people make good decisions and, um, and, uh, and, and they get really sort of motivated um, to, uh, to, to, to work at the company because they, they feel like they're really having an impact and, um, and, and they're not sort of, um, uh, sort of feeling that they're just sort of executing on, on someone's, uh, someone's vision or someone's decisions. Lovely. Thank you. And I have to say, you're also very humble. Um, just for the awareness of audience, I was actually, he was the one who was responding to all my emails regarding smallest logistics. So thank you so much. I think you're also very humble. Um, so thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm just, just disorganized. No, no, it was great. I was like, wow, the godfather of fintech himself is responding to all my emails. This is wonderful. <laughs> so thank you. So let's open it up to the audience. I know there are a few who are waiting already. So I'm just going to start bringing you guys up here. Okay, Anand, hi. Yeah, hi. Can you hear me? Yes, if you would like to introduce yourself and then ask your question. Sure. Um, I don't know. How are you? This is uh, Anand. I think we met many, many years ago when you were at London Club. Uh, I was with Jonathan Larson when we came from City. Um, and, great, uh, great, 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 great to hear you. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm ex sofi I work with Ambika. And um, in the interest of time, just uh, we'll ask her. A couple of things, and I think, by the way, congratulations on your race. So wonderful job. Um, you, you know, as you look at um, all the evolutions on, you know, buy now, pay later, and banks have started producing their own uh, uh, lending products, do you see uh, a reasonable good runway on the personal loan side? Um, and the second part I have is, you know, if you have personal lending and other unsecured lending products, is it better to focus on them to get as best as possible? Or do you diversify into banking products, which may suck your time in terms of building out um, and resources as well? So do you, you know, and from a strategy perspective, do you kind of tend to get deep into um, related products or, or do you kind of diversify from a consumer perspective to other products? Um, thanks again. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. Great, great questions. Um, yeah, I think personal loan products uh, continues to be a, a great product. I mean, we continue to, to grow. Um, that product very fast, not not as fast as Upgrade Card, um, but uh, it continues to be a very useful product for consumers. And there's, I mean, until the uh, the pandemic started, at the time the pandemic started, there was more than a trillion dollar worth of, of uh, credit card debt. There's a bit less now, uh, but still in the sort of 900 billion plus yep. um, of credit card balances that carry interest on average at 17% um, and, and, and really don't amortize down uh, very much. So there, I mean, there's still a, a very large pool of, um, sort of uh, customers that would benefit from, from refinancing that, that debt. So the, I think the more customers we can reach through like new channels and, and, and so on, better messaging, um, the, the, the more we continue to expand that um, that, that market, and uh, I mean, if you look at the, the entire personal loan market, is is um, barely over 100 billion a year, um, uh -huh. compared to a 900 billion in, in credit cards. I think there's a lot of, lot of room to grow there, um, 
think BNPL again is a great great product, better, much better product structure for consumers than uh, than credit cards. Um, I really like the upgrade card for, for that reason because it um, sort of delivers essentially a BNPL experience, uh, but embedded into a card yeah. so that it's available to a broader uh, broader range of consumers. Um, and then in, in terms of um, yeah, would we be better off continuing to build more credit products or uh, building up the, the mobile banking. Um, so <laughs> trying to hire more engineers and <laughs> and do both. Um, but uh, so realistically, uh, we need to prioritize. I think we've, we've prioritized uh, sort of building up uh, sort of mobile banking. Um, we think, again, there are lots of uh, sort of cross-selling benefits uh, to it. I mean, if you look at... Um, Sort of a sort of acquisition funnel for credit products. I mean, um, in our last quarter, we had over seven million um, applications for loans, cards, and, and bank account. Right, so seven million consumers applied for upgrade loans or cards last last quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, out of that, we got like two hundred thousand new customers. So it's a it's a very sort of inefficient funnel in a way. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I think mobile banking can help with that. Right now, when when we instead of declining um, someone for for credit reasons, if we can't immediately give someone a uh, a card or a loan, uh, we can offer a, a bank account and say, hey, so can't give you a card right now, but open an account with us, uh, do a direct deposit into that account, and as we get to know you better, I will get you on a path. To a loan or a card, it could be a very short path. It could be a secured card initially. So there, there are ways to, to shorten that path. Um, but I think mobile banking can give us um, a way to uh, sort of really tap into that existing funnel, uh, be more useful to more people. Um, again, through pricing benefits uh, as well. I mean, a lot of uh, consumers might be getting approved for a loan, but don't take it, or for a card and don't take the card. Um, might might be able to take it if you also they also open a bank account and they get a discount on their loan or a higher limit on their card. Um, so again, I think uh, mobile banking is so complementary with uh, with credit products um, that it's worth um, it's worth focusing more on that and really creating that full sort of mobile banking experience. I think they, I mean, there are also Payments-led and credit-led um, neobanks in, in the mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the most successful is really Nubank, um, and and they, they started with credit cards, then used the appeal and the sort of attraction of the credit card products to um, uh, to open the millions of, of bank accounts. Um, I think it's a it's a path that, that's worth um, thinking about. Got thank you. Great, thank you, Anand. Deidre, hi. Could you introduce yourself and ask your question? Yes. Hi. Um, first of all, I would like to say that years ago, Lending Club saved my butt. So thank you so much for creating it. <laughs> and my question kind of actually has to, to do with, uh, with, with that. So you mentioned the customer journey, creating the customer journey. And, you know, just thinking about the emotional um, impact that, you know, just your emotions can have on your experience of filling out an application 
for a loan versus a checking account versus a credit card. I'm just curious, did you take um, your potential customer's emotional state um, into account when creating the customer experience? We, we do, right? It's such, such, such a great question. Um, yeah, so it is, um, I mean, again, it's, it's um, dealing with people's money and at a time where they need uh, to make a, a pretty big financial decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a mortgage, it's not a, a tough, but it's, it could be like a 10,000 or 15,000 mm-hmm. decision. So it's a, it's a very, very key uh, for financial decision and uh, like emotions run high at that mm-hmm. point. For sure. um, so I think we try to take that into account in, in uh, sort of um, product design, but also just in, in how we organize um, our support uh, procedures and and how much we invest in uh, sort of customer service and um, uh, and sort of the verifications uh, team. Mm-hmm. Um, we all of our operations team are based in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, was there a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's we have 500 people there now um, working for us, and and we've continued to, I think, try to to find the right uh, balance between sort of automation, uh, mm-hmm. which certainly has benefits in terms of how much volume we can we can um, uh, deal with and 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 the cost, but but also really sort of having making sure we have people on the ground who can pick up the phone and and talk to, to consumers and, and mm-hmm. be there when they need us and, um, and and make sure it's not just a, a website or a mobile interface but but there's actually someone on the on the other end of the phone and then someone who can really walk the customer through uh, the process if if you need it mm-hmm. thank you thank you very much thanks Deidre. And next we have Alok from Upgrade himself. So hi, Alok. Hey, Leno. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to uh, you know come for this uh, talk. And and it's great to be working at, at Upgrade from last seven months. Um, that's where I'll, I'll leave if anyone is interested. <laughs> so, I guess I you. can ask a question on behalf of Alok, and that is, uh, Renaud, with this new round that you raised, what are the plans for hiring? And if you're hiring, how do we contact you? Yes, uh, we are hiring as many great people as we as we can find. Um, so yeah, there's really literally no no budget limit on um, in, in particular on how many sort of engineers um, we um, we we want to hire. Um, we were at like five to six new engineers a month uh, a couple of months ago. We are like seven to eight now, uh, but it's really not gated by any budget constraints. It's like yeah. how many like, great people we can we, we can find um, and, uh, and and on board. So um, yeah, everyone is welcome to apply. It's not not engineering. I think we have. 40 open positions in um, in uh, sort of, uh, a number of areas, um, and to give you a sense of scale, I mean we're still small. We're about 750 people, but we, uh, I mean the goal is to to get to about a thousand by the end of this year. Right? So we, we we have a lot of uh, hiring needs. Uh, so yes, please uh, if you uh, if you're interested, uh, please please join us. We need you. 
and uh, and the way you you do that, uh, you can go to the upgrade uh, upgrade.com website, and there's uh, a career page, and you can you can see all the, the positions available there. Great, thank you. And uh, before we go to Daniela, there was a question that came through the back channel. It's from James in the audience, and he's asked, uh, "What kind of mentors did you have to help you through the ins and outs of finding your first company?" Yeah, so you know, I didn't really have a a mentor per, per se. I think what, what really helped me a lot um, was of having co-founders. Because um, being an entrepreneur can be an incredibly lonely <laughs> um, uh, situation. I mean, you go through ups and downs, and then the ups tend to be pretty pretty high, but the downs often pretty low. Um, and, and so it's great to like, not go through that journey uh, alone. Um, and a mentor can help, but it's going to be someone who sees the situation from, from the outside uh, looking in, and it might be helpful in, in some situations. But, but just having someone who's like, down in the trenches with you um, is, is super helpful. So either having um, co-founders or a, a like, very strong executive team um, uh, to go through that journey with you is, uh, I, think, uh, I think, pretty cool. Great. Thank you. Next, Daniela, we have you. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself and ask your question? Sure. Hi. Um, my name is Daniela. I'm joining from, uh, from Mexico. Um, thank you for, for sharing your story. I am a first time entrepreneur and I recently started the journey. And as you just said, um, there are highs and lows and it's a very lonely journey. How did you balance the uncertainty that comes with the job and keep the focus on your dream and your vision? I would appreciate any advice you may have on, on cultivating a, a strong mindset and keeping a strong mindset. Yeah, so um, I don't know. I, I think um, um, to, to some extent, um, being uh, so overly, overly confident is, is helpful. Right? Uh, so I think if you, you can create your own certainties, uh, so there's no, uh, no resentment and, uh, and uh, I'm not going to. Uh, I'm not going to stop until I run out of people to talk to. <laughs> um, I think it's, it's um, to, to me at least was helpful. So in that sense, there was no real. Yeah, I didn't find it uncertain. Um, I found it either super hard or a little bit easier. Um, but uh, the, I mean, to me, the outcome was always certain because I, I wanted to to believe that it was the case. Um, so if, I, if, you, if you can trick yourself believing that much, I think it's, uh, it's helpful. Um, but, but again, I think the, um, I think the bigger piece of advice is really surrounding, uh, surrounding yourself with, with other people. And if, you, if you've already raised money and you have the capital to hire a really strong, really strong team around you, that's, that's great. Um, if you don't have much capital, just finding sort of co-founders who are as passionate as you are and, and uh, will be, um, will be on, Ren- on your side uh, is really key. Renaud, sorry to interject, but um, your mic, I think uh, we can't hear you very well. Oh, is it, is it better now? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I try to speak um, speak Latin. Okay. Um, okay. So next, Jeffrey. Do you, hi, Jeff. Welcome. Do you want to introduce yourself and ask your question? Yes. Hi, I'm Jeff Rugley. I'm currently with SoFi, um, and I, I love I love the stories of leaders who have the ability to bounce back from various setbacks. And particularly, I'd like to know how you were mentally able to shift from resigning from Lending Club and starting another successful company and upgrade. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so leaving Lending Club in 2016, um, I really had a strong um, feeling of unfinished business. Right, there was like, just like so much more uh, could have done there. Um, so I think upgrade in, in that sense well, wasn't really. I mean, to me, it wasn't so much starting something new. It was more the continuation, um, continuation of uh, the, the mission of again bringing. Um, so great product to market, um, continuing to make credit more, more affordable and more responsible, but, but with with the benefits of like ten years of experience, right? And it's um, it's actually not, not that often that you, you get that opportunity to um, uh, to really sort of incorporate everything you learned into an entirely new design, um, whether it's it's product design or um, sort of enterprise design. Um, so, so in, in that sense, that, that was a great opportunity, um, like knowing what we were building for and uh, having a really good sense of what worked, what didn't, um, and really um, having a more complete vision around that multi-product strategy. Again, the Lending Club was like a lot of um, uh, sort of first generation of fintech was really focused on one single product um i, I think what you're seeing with the second generation is a lot more product convergence a lot more of that rebundling of a bank and a lot more of like multi-product strategy um and um, it's not always easy to uh sort of bolt on additional products on a monoline platform but when, when you design it as a multi-product platform from, from the get-go, uh, that's, uh, that's obviously a, a lot easier. Yes. Thank you. Great. Thank you for your question. Uh, Renaud, we do have a question from the back channel. Isaac, who's in the audience, um, did ask, and I think this is on our minds too, uh, with the Series E round, uh, are you thinking are your sites on an IPO uh, uh a possibility or um, how are you thinking about the next steps for the company? Yeah. Can, you, um, can you hear me better? It's actually worse, sorry. Okay. Um, I'm sure what to do. Um, should I try to um, hang up and join back in? Sure, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay, let me, let me try to do that. And folks, while we're waiting for Renault, thank you so much for joining. As you know, we are um, talking with Renault, who is the founder and CEO of Upgrade, about uh, his recent uh, funding round. Uh, I appreciate your patience while he tries to figure out the audio situation. Appreciate your patience. And while uh, we're waiting for Renault to join, I uh, definitely want to invite people on stage. If you have questions, please um, raise your hand and we'd love to have you on stage and a part of the conversation. 
radio silence is the worst, Ambika. <laughs> you would like me to speak? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just texting Renault to see if that would work. Oh, there he is. All right. Can you hear me now? So much yes. better. That's yeah. Okay. Good. Great. Thanks for trying right. that. Yeah. Good. Good. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't just trying to ditch the, the ITO question. <laughs> we were wondering whether we should start singing or playing some music. So <laughs> glad you stopped us. <laughs> yes. uh, Reno, as you were having trouble, I think the last question that came up was from someone in our audience, Isaac. Uh, he asked about IPO plans. Uh, I know you're fresh yeah. from a round of funding, but how do you how are you thinking about that? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think we we are taking steps to um, towards uh, the public market. Um, we don't think we're quite ready yet. I think one of the the learnings from from Landing Club was um, there's a big difference between being ready to do an IPO and being ready to operate uh, successfully as, as a public company. Um, and so, we, I mean, in terms of like size and growth rates, uh, we could easily go public today. Um, but, but I think there are a few things we want to get right uh, before we, um, uh, we, we think we can operate really successfully as, as a public company. Um, and so one of them is around the, the revenue mix. Um, again, today we have, I mean, we started with personal loans, um, which delivers a lot of like one-time revenue. Um, and then we added upgrade card and, and mobile banking that are, a lot more like recurring revenue, um, and um, but but that's not as as front loaded. So we want to make sure uh, we're at a point where the, the the recurring part of the revenue uh, is the majority of revenue, so that um, uh, it's almost like a SaaS model at that point where we we have sort of a lot of visibility into future revenue. Um, so I think that's something we we're working on. Um, Again, upgrade card is is um, growing extremely fast, um, but personal loans are growing fast as well. So it's uh, it's hard to catch up on a on a fast growing uh, revenue stream. Um, so uh, so I, I think we will probably be ready from that standpoint um, sometime in the next um, eighteen months. Lovely. And just to piggyback on that, there's another question from Jonathan in the audience, and he's asking. Given that you provide, you offer rewards checking, is a bank charter also potentially on the roadmap? Potentially, although, um, and we kind of like the way we're operating today. Um, I, I think the bank charter is really a, a tool um, that uh, can help you achieve a strategy. Um, so if you're if you're planning on like taking customers' deposits and then lending them out out of your own balance sheet, um, I think you, you absolutely need a bank charter. Um, in our case, um, you know, the way we, we fund the, the credit accounts, whether it's loans or, or, or credit card, um, is by sort of, um, uh, sort of selling the, the loans or the credit card receivables to, um, to loan buyers and investors. Um, and uh, the deposits we uh, we receive through um, rewards checking um, go directly to the bank. Uh, we have agreements with the banks where we can sort of direct uh, the bank to allocate these deposits to um, other banks we work with. 
um, to um, so that these other banks can also use these deposits to buy loans and, and card receivables. So I think we have ways to efficiently benefit from from the deposits we're we're getting from mobile banking um, without uh, necessarily being the being the bank. Um, and that way of, of operating is really giving us better sort of flexibility and ability to grow faster and remaining capital light um, while sort of providing some, some efficiency because instead of um, optimizing and, and matching assets and liabilities within our own balance sheet, um, we can do that in a distributed way where we can allocate deposits to whoever, whatever bank um, needs it the most, depending on their own um, sort of loan to deposit ratio. Um, and, and then that bank can use the deposit to buy loans. Um, so we, we think it's a better, like more distributed, more efficient uh, business model at, at this point, at this stage of growth. Um, but, but we are clearly not uh, sort of um, monetizing uh, as much as we would uh, if we um, if we 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 had our own bank charter, uh, so I think it's a it's a bit of a trade-off between growth and profitability. Uh, and at this point, we're we're more on the side of growing fast. Um, we're we're already profitable anyway, so we are not necessarily trying to optimize for more profit right now. Got it. Thank you. And Anand, I think you have one more question. If you want to ask a question, sure. I don't I don't didn't mean to hog up the time, but Rena, do you want do you expect to keep the uh, right now as a B two C company as well, or do you expect to monetize the platform for others to provide lending or credit cards um, on your platform? Yeah, we we really like having the um, sort of last mile uh, to the, the customer and then like building a consumer brand. Um, so that doesn't. Uh, I, I don't think we would like license the technology in a mm. in a sort of white label way. Um, but I think what's possible uh, going forward would be sort of doing some co-branded version of a great card where we, we continue to own customer relationship, but we sort of plug into another sort of large customer base. Got it. Thank you. All right. Um, Ambika, do we have others waiting in queue or could I sneak one in? No. Yeah, go for it. This will be our last question. All right. Bringing it home. No pressure. Uh, Reno, we talked a lot about your business strategy and model with the loan growth. Um, I did have a question about the acquisition side of things. Um, like, how do you approach that from a scalability standpoint? You mentioned the uh, growth rate is accelerating and it's heating up. Um, curious to hear your thoughts as we do have some product managers in the audience and would love to um, see how you make that happen. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know if there's a like magic bullet um, in terms of, of customer acquisition. I think it's about, yeah, again, creating a product that delivers great value to consumers and, and, and a great experience, uh, which sort of gets you uh, sort of positive reviews online, uh, gets you some positive word of mouth, um, sort of great, great press reviews. Uh, I mean, any kind of like validation really helps, especially for, for financial products. 
um, anything that sort of enhances the, um, the level of trust with the customer even before they, uh, they transacted with you um, really, um, really is helpful. Um, in terms of channels, I think we, we have a very sort of diverse set of, of channels um, online and offline. Um, but, but similar to our sort of product strategy, right? Each channel tends to like reinforce each other, um, and uh, so we're doing some TV, uh, display ad, online partners, SEM, SEO, social media retargeting. Um, there's really not like one thing that, that really works, but I think it's more about um, I think more about the process of um, sort of monitoring. Um, very tightly, um, what's what's working and what's not working, and 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 really grinding away at it and and making constant sort of improvements um, to uh, to the funnel, uh, to every part of the funnel, and and to the um, to the customer experience through uh, through that funnel. Thank you. Sounds like a very deliberate process. <laughs> Um, all right. I think with that, uh, we are close to the end of our call. I'm just going to see if my co-moderator, Ambika, do you have any final uh, thoughts or comments? I just want to thank Renault. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, again, we didn't even have that much time coming, uh, you know, preparing the call and you were very humble and you gave access to, uh, to whatever call and timings we provided. So thank you so much for being humble and also coming on the call with us today. Yeah, no, thank you. That was really, uh, that was really fun. I enjoyed it. Fantastic. And Renault, what a uh, way to kind of uh, end your evening. Uh, we are really appreciative of the fact that you chose to spend this day uh, celebrating the big news with us. Congratulations once again. Uh, fantastic news. And uh, the pathway looks so bright and brilliant. We'll be watching for sure and cheering you <laughs> along the way. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Alok thinks I think some of this uh, came through your uh, conversation, so appreciate your help uh, in connecting us. And everyone who uh, stayed on, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, as Reno mentioned, uh, there are opportunities uh, with the newest funding round, so it sounds like a fantastic place, and I'm sure um, you have opportunities there to look um, ahead. With that, I think we will end the room. Renault, thanks once again, and I uh, hope you have a wonderful evening. All right. Th thank you. Have a good evening.